Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to episode 29 of the Snyder Cut. Forgive my raspy voice this morning. Uh, Don't worry, it's not the coronavirus. That's plagued everything else in Hollywood this week, and we're going to get into that. Um, But yeah, I'm a little scratchy, a little scratchy. I'll be fine. We're going to get through this, and we're going to do it together. Um, What a day, first of all. A lot of, like, hot television series coming out today so if you do find yourself quarantined at home there'll be plenty of stuff to watch we'll start with uh zero 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 which i reviewed for the site you can go read that review right now on collider.com i thought it was kind of terrific uh it it is clearly amazon's answer to netflix's narcos I don't think it has the same, like, character depth, the same emotional depth that Narcos has. Maybe that's just because Narcos is, like, a four-season franchise by now. And this is billed as a limited series. And when even when you bill something as a limited series, like, you're promising, like, a beginning, a middle, and an end. And I think that maybe – it's not that you can't get close to the characters because you're still with them for over the course of eight hours – uh, but it's different than a series that you know is going to continue. Um, but so so this series, it bounces around from Italy to Mexico to New Orleans. And, you know, it's about the, the buyers, the sellers, and the brokers in the cocaine trade. And how the cocaine trade really keeps the world's economy afloat. And Andrea Riseborough and Dane DeHaan play... These two siblings who sort of take over uh, their family business and they have to, you know, there's, there's a huge shipment on the line. They need to sort of prove themselves to the Italians. And, you know, the leader of the Italians is like in, in hiding and his grandson is trying to kill him. And then in Mexico, there's like a leader of the special forces unit who is sort of hungry for power, feels like. You know, if I'm, I'm doing this for this guy and, and this for these people, like, you know, why don't we just go into business for ourselves? Like, why aren't we, you know, more in charge of this stuff? And, I, I mean, you know, so it's very much international, global tale. And money, real money was spent on this. Like, it looks gorgeous. I will give that, I will give 000 the edge in terms of how it looks uh, over Narcos. Like, it's shot by... um. Well, it's directed by Stefano Salima, who did the uh, Sicario Day of the Dead sequel. Uh, Jonas Metz, who did True Detective. And then Pablo Trapero did The Clan. And, I mean, it, it, there are just some gorgeous, gorgeous sequences, particularly the action sequences, particularly those shot by Stefano Salima, who uh, I think was also drafted to do the Call of Duty uh, movie or series or whatever the hell they're doing with that game. Um, so... You know, what I love most about this show, though, was this guy, Harold Torres, who plays Manuel Contreras, who is the leader of, like, the Mexican special forces, if you will. I just thought he was, like, he, he burned up the screen. He had this real, like, intensity and yet also, uh, there, you know, a sensitivity and a vulnerability. 
and he doesn't have any U.S. representation right now. I called a few. Uh, this is the guy who I was sort of alluding to, I think, on the last episode. Where like I called a few friends and, and was like, "You should really check this guy out because he 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 like he's just talented, you know." Um, and the show it kind of slows down a little when it focuses on Riseborough and Dahan's characters. Like I was more intrigued by the Italian crime family and the stuff in Mexico than the brokers with New Orleans. Maybe that's just because, you know, the buyers and sellers are a little bit more interesting in that world. Um, yeah, I love the score by Mogwai, who is like, you know, they do great instrumental stuff. They've been in a ton of movies and TV shows. I'm sure that you've heard their work, but they've never, like, you know, composed the music for an entire TV series. And I loved what they brought to it. Um, so, yeah, I would definitely check out 000. And for my full review, uh, head to the website. You've also got tonight the, what is it, FX, FX on Hulu series, The Most Dangerous Animal of All, which is about the Zodiac Killer. This was based on a book that I read about six or seven years ago from Gary L. Stewart and Susan Mustafa, and Gary was claiming that his father, he had had reason to believe he had, you know, done a a lot of tests and, and had a lot of evidence to support his theory that his father who abandoned him as a child was the was the Zodiac killer. And the series I I I have to finish my review but you know it'll probably come out before this podcast does anyways. The series is okay but it, it's okay for different reasons than you're probably watching. Like let's let's be honest. People are watching this series because it's about the Zodiac. And the, similar to how the OJ Simpson documentary doesn't really mention the word murder uh, or, or get into the the Nicole of it all until like the very very end of episode two, like the second hour. I don't think that this mentions the Zodiac like in the first episode at all. Like, I mean, you know why you're watching, but the story is about a guy who who's desperate to find his father so that he can know more about who he is and and find out more about himself. Um, you know, hoping that it'll clear some things up for him, give him some answers to some existential life questions. And it's just not that interesting uh, because we're waiting for that Zodiac stuff to be introduced and it doesn't really come until hour two. So the first hour is a bit of a rough a rough one to get through. It's a bit of a chore. And then as the series progresses, I think it gets a little bit more interesting as the, the filmmakers start to uh, you know sh- show a different side of it. Like, you're set up to believe that what he's saying is all true, and it's like, oh, yeah, there's this and this and this and this. But then they dig a little bit deeper into these coincidences, and, you know, they don't totally add up. Um, and so, you know, listen, you could still believe at the end of the day that his father is the Zodiac Killer, but I think that they, the series also gives you enough reason to believe that he's not. And it, But, you know, it ends on just, like, this really sad note where, like, this guy... Because you you can feel that he wants it to be true. He wants it so badly. You know, not that it's like a cool thing to be the son of a serial killer, but he, he just he wants it so that he can understand things about himself. I think, and and so when you know maybe people do create a, a sliver of doubt in his mind, I think it just throws this guy's whole world into a tailspin. And there's something kind of sad about that that he'll never, you know, really know. And, and neither will we until this mystery is, is ever solved satisfactorily. 
Um, so it, it's definitely a series worth checking out, but I think that true crime fans may be a little bit disappointed. It's more about this guy's emotional journey, and and it's just a coincidence that the guy that he's looking for, his father, happens to be the Zodiac Killer. Uh, there, there, I think there's definitely better true crime series out there, but uh, again, this one offers something a little bit interesting, and and it also turns the the you know, and it points an accusatory finger at the audience, you know, in the same way that that uh, Don't Fuck with Cats did. The other show that debuts today is a show that I've been teasing on Twitter for a while, but it's been under embargo, and I have not been able to allude to it. So I'll just give up the game now because I'm about to tweet it after this podcast. Uh, Amazing stories. Granted, they only send one episode, but you'd think that if they're going to send you an episode, they should lead with like their best one. And the one that they sent was pretty bad. Like it was hokey broadcast. Like this may have passed for an amazing story in 1986. Or whenever that show was on, the 82, I don't know. But it was, um, yeah, it was old-fashioned and stale. It was like this really lame time-traveling plot with Dylan O'Brien and Victoria, Pedro- uh, yeah, Victoria Pedretti, who I really liked from Love, uh, from you as Love. Jesus Christ, can't talk this morning. Um, but, yeah. If that's any indication of how the series is, I'm out. Like, you gotta, in today's streaming world, like, you have one chance to make that first impression. And if I'm not blown away, I don't know that I'm, like, gonna continue. So I I may give Amazing Stories one or two more episodes and just hope that this is, like, an anomaly. But, uh, yeah, this was, like, worse than even some of the worst. Twilight Zone episodes. It was just like like recycled. Recycled and lazy and not particularly innovative. I don't know how much chemistry the two of them had anyways. Uh, yeah, so that's a bummer from Steven Spielberg, no less on Apple. But uh, a- Apple, you know, hit, hit and miss. Hit and miss. What else did I see? Oh, okay, last night. Last night, guys, I went to go see... A movie starring my best friend, Benjamin Affleck. The Way Back. I was not invited to any press screenings for this. Why? I don't know. Maybe it's because I went off on Birds of Prey. <laughs> um, and I'm just a huge fan of Gavin O'Connor's Warrior. Like, I had it ranked in my top five movies of the last decade. I think it's an incredible movie that gives me goosebumps every time I watch the end of it, which is like every few months. So I was like fucking pumped to see Gavin O'Connor, who who did The Accountant, obviously, with uh, Ben Affleck, to see them working together again on a basketball movie where, where it also mirrors real life and Ben's struggle with alcohol. And I get to the Grove because as a host of FYC, I'll be honest, uh, Arclight Cinemas did me a solid. They gave me they gave me a very very generous gift. They gave me an annual pass to Pacific Theaters. Now the thing about Pacific Theaters is I live in Santa Monica, so the nearest Pacific Theaters is the Grove or Sherman Oaks. 
they're pretty equidistant as far as like far away from Santa Monica. Neither one is particularly close. But you can't use the pass at ArcLight Cinemas. ArcLight is owned by Pacific Theater, so it's just for the parent company's theaters. Uh, so I've been going to the Grove a little bit more, which probably isn't a great idea with all this coronavirus going around, but I've been very careful. So last night I go and I get there at like 10 o'clock, right? I've driven from Santa Monica and I'm like one for uh, the way back at 1010. And the guy's like, oh no, we're not playing that tonight. That was a fuck up on Google's part. We've told like Fandango there was an issue. I was so heartbroken. I was like, oh my God, my whole plan, like I, I just drove fucking 30, 35 minutes at 10 o'clock at night. To go see my boy Ben Affleck, and now it's too. I'm I'm gonna miss him, uh, cause cause I got duped by fucking technology by the internet. You can't believe everything you read on the internet, folks. So you know I've still got you know I'm there. I've got this free movie ticket, this free pass. So I'm like, what else am I gonna go see? It was between Emma. No, thank you. I've heard it's wonderful. Sonic the Hedgehog. Seems like a VOD rental for me. I don't know that I can, even even for free, I don't know that I could uh, support that theatrically. Um, sorry, Toby. And, uh, right. So then there was the movie that I went to go see. And that was Pixar's Onward, guys. I mean, when in doubt, have a little faith, go see a Pixar movie. And it was actually good. I liked it. I had no interest in seeing this movie. I had no idea what it was about. I knew it was some fantastical thing with fucking elves and unicorns and fairies. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And it was like, I cried. I cried a couple of times. Like, I I thought this movie started really strong and finished really strong. The end becomes a little bit too bogged down with the quest of it all. And, you know, the the typical kiddie movie shit. This is a surprisingly mature film. It is about, it's really for anyone who's ever lost a parent. And obviously I lost my my mother a few years ago, and uh, my girlfriend Stephanie lost her father a couple years ago, and I, like, she, I don't think, I, she couldn't handle this. Um, th- th- this is like a surprisingly emotional movie. And... With, I won't spoil anything, don't worry. But but I want to give you like the end sort of scenario. So it's, a, it's about, you know, these two brothers, they lose their father, uh, you know, when one of them is still like in utero, like it's still a fetus, and ne- never got a chance to meet uh, his father. And so it turns out dad was like a wizard, and they have uh, he he left them like a spell to bring him back for twenty four hours. So they do the spell, but the spell gets interrupted, and only half of Dad comes back, and it's the lower half. So literally, Dad's legs, and he can't hear, and he can't talk really. Dad's legs are a character for the the, the length of this movie, and obviously it, it builds towards. You know, getting to the point where they can bring back the other half of dad. The problem is, you know, one of them's going to need to, like, save mom or save the day, whatever. But the, and the other one gets to enjoy this special moment. So who's going to get the moment? 
the son, the older son who never got to say goodbye or the younger son who never got to meet his dad. And I'm not going to say uh, what happens, but I just thought it was really, uh, you know, it was, it was fucking Pixar, man. It was beautiful. Um, you know, not maybe not one of their best movies because they still had to do, you know, the typical animated stuff in the middle. And they've, you know, but I have to hand it to them. And, and I'm really glad that, you know, fate dealt me that kind of shitty hand last night. Like, I'm still going to go see the Ben Affleck movie, but I never, ever would have seen Onward, really, if I hadn't been forced to last night. So thank you to the cinema gods who are looking out for me. And now for the news. What do we got? What do we got? The coronavirus. As I sort of uh, talked about last week, you know, we, we, we've, we have obviously been talking about the, uh, the, the human toll, the tragedy, the, the, the lives that have been lost due to this virus, COVID-19. But now it, it, it is really starting to, to wreak havoc on the entertainment industry. Everyone has abandoned South by Southwest practically. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Mashable, blah, 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 blah. Um, just this morning, Issa Rae and, and Kumail said that they're not going to be going. And it's like, I totally get it. Like, you're going to be surrounded by people. You don't know what, what kind of hygiene these people have, excuse me, um, during a festival, no less. Nobody's sleeping. Everybody's kind of dirty. Like, yeah. So, like, that event's a shit show. CinemaCon is proceeding, and I am still planning to go even though Vegas is like the armpit of America, um, listen, I, you just have to take precautions and use hand, hand sanitizer and uh, and be careful. I mean, but life, I'm of the opinion that life still has to be lived. So I'm not going to quarantine myself, you know, because of this. Having said that, it's, you know, obviously some studios have had to make some tough business decisions this week, and that includes MGM, which delayed the release of the James Bond movie No Time to Die until November, so about seven months, and that is going to cost them between 30 and $50 million to, you know, sort of reset the, the marketing campaigns uh, that were in place. I mean, Daniel Craig is hosting SNL this weekend, for God's sake. Like, I don't even know. I wonder how much sort of Bond stuff there will be. Um, it's just, it's it's wild, the ramifications that this is having. And there are a couple of other movies coming up that are going to have to weigh this, like Black Widow and uh, Fast 9. And to me, it's like, you know, I thought that they were talking about how the, the, the virus will not be able to su- survive in the summer and how it's going to be too hot. Like, you know, which is it? And and if so, I don't know when Fast Nine is coming out. If it's May or June, I know Black Widow is May, um, and maybe maybe May is not hot enough. But I would be if this starts affecting movies that are coming out in the summer, I'd start to be worried. Just because I always feel like Hollywood knows more than the average person. You know, the agencies, you know, they represent top news anchors or you know whoever it is. I just feel like everybody and like like the rich and powerful. Always get tipped off if, if if something is really a problem. And you see it already with like CAA canceling uh, in person meetings. They're you know they're just telling clients to FaceTime or whatever with their with their agents. Although the agents are still supposed to come in and work. So 
I don't know. It's it is it's definitely scary times out there, and and contagion. Like they, they should do another like a contagion two or something because this contagion movie went from I think being the two hundred and seventieth most streamed Warner Brothers movie to the second most. And but and yet the like you know the more that I read about this thing, the more that it it sort of affects older people, people with compromised uh, immune systems, and and it's like. How much should the how much should the average person really be worried? Is it the media just sort of stoking fear? Because that's what the media does. That's sort of the media's job, is to keep you watching. Like you, you better stay tuned to this network or to this website because if you don't, you could miss the one piece of information that could save your life. So, you know, I, I just I've seen, we've been through these sorts of scares before. For some reason, this one feels a little bit more serious. I mean. Sh- there's no fucking like antibacterial uh, lotion anymore. The, the people are running out of uh, bottled water at Costco and and paper towels, and it's just like it's fucking nuts out there. So stay stay safe, everybody. Okay, let's get into some shit. Barack Obama, big scoop this week. Courtesy of yours truly. Barack and Michelle Obama teaming up with the Russo brothers on a Netflix movie called Exit West that will be directed by Jan Demange and it will star Riz Ahmed. Like, that is a heavy-duty story. It took a few days to report out. Um, but, you know, when we really started, like, pushing on it, it was like... How are we not running this? Like, uh, you know, we, we definitely had enough. And, and it, you know, the story was confirmed later by Howard Reporter and, and, and Deadline. Um, but, yeah, that was just one where it was like the Obamas and the Russos are working together. Like, that's a big story. So the deal is, is that Agbo, the, the Russos company, they optioned this book. Uh, I think it's by Mohsen Hamid. I don't have the story in front of me. Uh, I'm going off memory. Um, yeah, Mohsen Hamid, I want to say. And he wrote The Reluctant Fundamentalist, which was a 2012 movie that actually starred Riz Ahmed. So the Russos have the rights to this. They, they had Jessica Goldberg adapting it. Obama, the same year, puts Exit West on the list of you know the top books that he read that year. So you know sales took off because it was Obama-endorsed. And everyone who, literally everyone who I've, you know, heard from yesterday on Twitter about this book, who who had read it, said it's, like, incredible. So the Russos had it. They've done some stuff for Netflix. Obama's company, Higher Ground, is at Netflix. I wonder who approached who. Maybe it was the Russos being, like, you know, maybe, I don't know if it was the Russos' idea or if it was the Obama's idea being, like, oh, you know, I wish we had the rights to Exit West, like, you know, we'd love to team up with with you guys if you'd let us. Or if it was Netflix being like, hey, you know, we, we actually have been looking at your list of the, the top books because we wanted to buy you some of the books that have been on your list, Obama. Uh, you know, one of them is controlled by the Russos. Do you think that we could set up a meeting? Again, I don't know how it all went down, but it is going down. Jan Demange and, and Riz Ahmed. Riz Ahmed was thanked in the credits of, of uh, White Boy Rick, which I thought was kind of interesting. So they... 
must know each other, I assume. Um, it sounds like a, like a, an interesting project. It is a fantastical love story about a couple in the Middle East sort of fleeing, you know, uh, an, an uprising. Like, it's just like bad, bad shit is going down where they are between the gorillas and the government. And so... They wind up like with uh, choosing with like between these doors, and one door leads to like California, and another leads to London, and it's like it sounds very kind of trippy, um, and you know maybe in like an allegorical philosophical way, but it's also supposed to be like a heartbreaking, you know, lo- love story uh, between two Middle Easterners, and I think it's definitely the sort of movie that Obama would want to be involved with. You know, and, you know, I, I think, like, true stories are, are sort of the dangerous stuff for someone like Obama right now. Like, you know, you don't want to be caught in a situation like the banker where, you know, accusations are flying and then there's controversy. Like, this is obviously, whether it's based on elements of a true story or not, there's this fantastical element that, that you know, I think makes it sort of controversy-proof for a former president. And yeah, if, if I was the Obamas and I wanted to make a narrative feature film rather than like a bunch of these documentaries that they've been doing, uh, who better than to work with than, than the Russo brothers and a, in an actor of color like Riz Ahmed. And uh, uh, yeah. So I, I'm going to be curious to see who they get to write this because you know Jessica Goldberg had written them and developed a project for Agbo. But now that Obama's involved and, and you know, there's a director, Jan Demange, like they're going to want their own person taking a crack at this thing. And I'm, you know, I, I imagine it'll, it'll be a writer of color. And, and so I'm looking forward to seeing who they hire on this because this is, this is the sort of project that could get a lot of attention for Netflix, particularly with Obama's name on it and the Russo's name on it. Um... Beauty and the Beast. I woke up and saw this news this morning that uh, Disney Plus, I think, is doing a, what is it, a prequel to Beauty and the Beast with uh, Gaston and Lafoe with Luke Evans and Josh Gad. And listen, I mean, if Josh Gad is willing to do, you know, a, a movie with you, I think that you do it. I think I think that people really like Josh Gad. I know I really like Josh Gad. I'm looking forward to his Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I think Disney loves working with him. He, uh, and so... Yeah, like, you know, why not? If you're spinning off all these Marvel characters and all these Disney characters and you've got, you know, Luke Evans and Josh Gad, why not give them their own series based on Beauty and the Beast? That is actually a very interesting thing, and I wonder if we're going to be seeing more spinoffs from those live-action fairy tale movies. Uh, you know, that could be Disney's next pivot. Uh, I didn't actually, did I see Beauty and the Beast? I don't even remember. May have been the one that I saw. I don't even know. Um, yeah, I haven't been like that high on on the Disney live action ones. But like I said last week, I am planning to see Mulan. I think I got an invite yesterday. I got to send him that RSVP. So note to self. Um, but a smart a smart play by by Disney Plus. Did they? Was there any other major Disney Plus this this week? I don't know. Um, Scott Derrickson and Chris Evans. This is something that I had talked about on the podcast before. Chris Evans uh, circling this project Bermuda, about the Bermuda Triangle over at Skydance. Sam Raimi had developed it for a while, and I always was like, well, if if Sam Raimi can't get a project that seems that, it seems like a layup to me. Like, 
what is the problem with Sam Raimi? Now, obviously, he went off and he's doing Doctor Strange 2. I believe that deal has actually closed. Uh, and Scott Derrickson, who was supposed to do Doctor Strange 2, is now doing Bermuda. So, effectively, the two of them just swatch, swap projects. Uh, and I think that with Derrickson on board, it'll actually go a long way towards convincing Chris Evans to do this. Um, particularly with, with Derrickson writing the script with uh, Robert Cargill. I think that those guys are really sharp writers and that they will, you know, come up with something or, or you know, change what is currently there to Chris Evans' liking and, and convince him to sign on, uh, which he obviously just did for a Little Shop of Horrors as well. So Chris Evans uh, riding a high moment right now, coming off Captain America, coming off a Knives Out. Everybody wants to be in the Chris Evans business, and everybody is getting into that business as we speak. Bermuda Triangle, I do wonder what the mystery is ultimately going to be. Like, are there going to be creatures? Uh, or, you know, is it going to be like this sort of otherworldly place? Or are we going to see the other side of the triangle? Or, you know, I'm just very curious what that mystery, how, how it is explained. Um, Kill Switch, the Steven Soderbergh movie, has John Hamm in talks. John Hamm in talks for Kill Switch which lost Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin has to go focus on Amazon's Outer Range, which he's also uh, EPing with Brad Pitt. Um, John Hamm is going to play the cop on, on the trail of all these criminals, these guys who sort of uh, get caught up in a, in a home invasion, and then you know the job goes sideways, and they're not sure if they're double-crossed or not. Cedric the Entertainer is also in talks. I got a few other names I'm you know, trying to confirm. Uh... John Cena is not doing it. Apparently, that name was uh, originally reported by the playlist in that initial report from a few months ago. Uh, I don't think that that's going to work out with John Cena, but I think you know there's people like Noah Jupe, um, who's being hired to play like Sebastian Stan's son. What else? Cat uh, Dennings, Frankie Shaw. You know th- those kinds of names. Um, so I'm really looking forward to Kill Switch. It sounds like it's going to wind up at HBO Max as well. That's not confirmed either. Like you know, uh, uh, as Soderbergh does, he's like putting this together himself, making deals himself. So you know, we'll see where it ultimately lands. But HBO Max is also distributing his next film, Let Them All Talk, with Meryl Streep and Lucas Hedges. Um, speaking of Luke, and by the way, this this is nothing. Uh, but I I. Adam McKay is doing that Jennifer Lawrence movie, Don't Look Up. I've heard that may now be called Boom. And not that I've heard Lucas Hedges for it, but I, you know, Jen, Jennifer Lawrence is playing one of two like young astronomers. And I think it, there is an offer out to someone for her astronomer partner. And I'm not sure who it is. I really am not. But there's only so many people that would just get a sort of straight offer without having to like read for it. And I think that Lucas Hedges is one of those people. Him and Jennifer Lawrence would be, I think they'd make an interesting pairing on uh, that movie. Um, But yeah, I don't know if he's a little bit too young to be playing an astronomer. Uh, Anyways, eager to see what Lucas Hedges does next, but it won't be, uh, well, I know one thing it won't be anyways. Um, What else this week? Chance the Rapper in talks to play the mayor's aide in the Sesame Street movie. I'm still uh, curious to find out who is going to be playing the mayor. That's sort of the antagonist in the Sesame Street movie. Uh, that's a live-action film with Anne Hathaway. And, uh, yeah, the characters sort of get have to leave Sesame Street and then have to prove that Sesame Street even existed. 
So that's sort of the plot of that one. Uh, Hocus Pocus 2. With, uh, well, at least I'm told that the original stars are, you know, more than likely coming back. I mean, if you look at what Disney has done of late, they got Rick Moranis out of retirement for the Honey, I Shrunk the Kid movie. They brought back Emilio Estevez for the Mighty Ducks. Like, if they can't get Sarah Jessica Parker and Bette Midler and Kathy Najimy to show up for Hocus Pocus 2, I'd be very surprised. Uh, so Adam Shankman is in talks to direct that. And again, he's he's a good choice. This is a reliable filmmaker. He seems like a good fit for that material. But I would have loved to have seen, you know, an up-and-coming female filmmaker get a shot on that, someone who grew up, you know, loving Hocus Pocus, uh, you know, which may very well be the case with the writer, you know, that, that that's sort of – that's what they're getting. Maybe they felt like they needed just like a, a sort of veteran pro uh, to take the reins of this because – People fucking love Hocus Pocus, you know. They don't want to, and they don't want to fuck up that. Uh, you know, every October, like the the rentals on Hocus Pocus, the VOD streams just go through the roof. So I don't think that they want to fuck that up with a bad sequel. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, J.J. Abrams doing a a new movie called The Pinkerton. He's not directing; he's just producing with Bad Robot. But that's sort of like their first big buy. Uh, since signing the Warner Media deal, I think Dan Casey wrote the script. The guy who wrote Fast Nine. God, I've known Dan Casey since I first came out here. It's incredible to see uh, where he has, you know, come from and and gone to uh, and over the course of his career. But yeah, the the Pinkerton were like, you know, the original like uh, fucking detectives. Like they, they like you know surrounded like Lincoln. I think. Like they were like his personal like uh, bodyguards, if you will, and and yeah, they they you know began investigating crimes. They were like fucking the original cops or something. So that's that's a really cool idea, and I like the name of that, even though people were making a bunch of Weezer jokes about it. Um, Chad Stahelski doing a car movie for Paramount. I you know it all it all depends. Chad Stahelski has has an incredible visual style. I love what he has done on the uh, John Wick movies and whatnot. So, uh, you know, I'm down for this, but, you know, a car movie is is all about how you shoot it. This guy obviously has, like, an awesome style, so I'm I'm looking forward to it. But I, got, I need, think I need to know a little bit more uh, regarding the plot. Um, A lot of ratings news this week, I feel like, between, like, A Quiet Place and, and New Mutants. New Mutants is only going to be PG-13, uh, even though, you know, we'd heard for a long time that it was always designed as an R, We've got Jason Statham leaving The Man from Toronto, this Kevin Hart movie, because he wanted it to be an R. Sony wanted it to be a PG-13. Left it just four weeks before production. And then Lizzie McGuire, you know, she's she wants uh, Disney to move the show to Hulu because she wants to sort of to explore some mature themes. You know, she, she doesn't want to sugarcoat shit, you know, for fans who are now adults but grew up on the show. And I can understand that. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of ratings drama this week. Um, Chivo shooting David O. Russell's new movie with Michael B. Jordan, Jennifer Lawrence, Christian Bale. That's going to be awesome. Uh, yeah, Chivo, man. This guy's won like three of the last six cinematography Oscars along with Deacons. He... Is just like, you know, a consummate professional. Um, I'm trying to picture 
sort of how David O. Russell plans to use him. Again, we just still don't know much about this movie. I'm told it's about a doctor and a lawyer who form an unlikely partnership. I'm also told it's a period piece. So I think that, you know, th- that, that bodes well for this project if Chivo is signing on. The Batmobile. Matt Reeves gave us our first look at the Batmobile. It was very realistic. It wasn't, uh, you know, some military kind of car. It looked like, you know, a normal sort of muscle car that a really smart, maybe wealthy guy beefed up with some cool shit. So I I just dug the vibe. I I dig the vibe that we're getting off this project from Matt Reeves. I think this guy really knows what he's doing. I I don't think Pattinson would have, you know, agreed to sign on in something like a a Batman and Robin version of of The Dark Knight here. I think we're going to get gritty. Uh, Yeah. I just, I dug that fucking Batmobile. Uh, Sorry, just getting an email. Excuse me. Um, Correction request. Anyways. Uh, Netflix doing this big comedy festival. Netflix is a joke festival. I love what they're like. That is a, a brilliant way to leverage your brand. And like the acts they're getting, they're getting everybody. Like it's almost like this was part of their master plan all along. I, I don't even, I'd be remiss. I'd be hard pressed to, to name a comic that is not doing this other than Louis CK. He's definitely not involved. Um, and yet tickets, like, you know, sold out immediately. I think everybody wanted to see Dave Chappelle. That was a hot ticket. I think Seinfeld's doing something. Amy Schumer. Like, this is going to be fucking cool. So if you are in the L.A. area, definitely check that out. Um, James Gunn, right, had a heartbreaking note about, uh, you know, Suicide Squad. I think he had lost his, his father uh, right before the shoot and then lost his dog, you know, two weeks before they had wrapped. And... Um, you know, James Gunn's a guy who's been through a lot, and, and he's he's just, he's a human. What I like about this guy is he, he seems like a real human being. He's not like, you know, James Cameron, like where you can only find him in like a submarine or at the bottom of a cave or something. Um, he he is not afraid to, to share on social media and, and show his emotions, whether he's angry or sad or whatever. And, uh, you know, my heart goes out to James Gunn, cause I, I, and I really think that we're going to get a great movie with the Suicide Squad as well. Um, what, what was there in trailers this week? We got one, Frank, for that Dakota Johnson movie, The High Note, which looked, uh, you know, like a, a fun, I don't want to say chick flick, uh, certainly aimed at women, but I think I would actually go check that out with Calvin Harrison Jr. and Ice Cube. Um, that one's from Focus Features, one of many movies that I believe uh, is directed by a woman. I feel like Focus and Universal have, like, the most movies directed by women by far. Um, So the first trailer for I Know This Much is True, the Mark Ruffalo series on HBO where he plays twins. I thought that that just looks super interesting. I'm a big, big, big fan of Derek Sion France uh, since I worship the place Beyond the Pines. So I'm really excited for that. Uh, Palpatine was a clone. Did you guys know that? God, this movie just continues to absolutely bury itself. The Rise of Skywalker was terrible, and I don't think it's doing any favors by trying to dig its way out uh, via novelizations. Um, What else this week? What else? 
I did see The Invisible Man a second time. I thought it was, it just really holds up. And, like, the scares are just very effective. That score from Benjamin Wallfish is terrific. I think we have an interview with him on the site. Uh, check that out when you can. Um, hmm. I'm really, God, I forgot. Is Dispatches from Elsewhere this tonight, too? Or is that, like, next week? That's, like, the Jason Siegel AMC show. I'm, I'm kind of very curious about that one. I just started watching the third season of Ozark, which comes out in a few weeks. Uh, I'm just, like, overwhelmed by television. Uh, Movie-wise, like, I got to see, I have to see the Affleck movie. I have to see Blue Story, that controversial U.K. movie that was that was banned. I got a link for that movie, Mope. Thank you to, to Ken Putnam or Put, Putman, I'm forgetting. Uh, but Ken, my pal Ken, who uh, hooked it up with the title of this movie, I was like, oh, it's killing me. It's on the tip of my tongue. It's a one-word title. It's set in the porn industry. It's about two guys, and there's, like, a murder. And they told me it was Mope. Mope is the name of that. So I actually managed to get a hold of that. I'm going to check that out this weekend. Baccarat. I have a link for that. I need to see that. That's Kino Lorber with uh, an Udo Kears in that. So uh, I think it's is it Sonia Braga, Alice Braga. I forget. Um, but I'm, I'm, you know, that's that just looks demented and crazy. I watched the uh, the Darden Brothers new movie, Young Ahmed. That was okay, but I didn't love it. I had some issues with it. You know, some people sort of said that, you know, the, the issue was that the Dardens didn't really take a point of view on their, you know, uh, radicalized young protagonist. And I think that may, that may have been the point, but it was definitely not a completely satisfying movie. So a bit of a frustrating watch, although I'm glad that I checked it out. Uh, check out Dave as well on FX or FX on Hulu, if you will. That whole initiative launched this week. I thought that show was hilarious. Um, hearts out to, to Alex Trebek, who gave a really, you know, thoughtful, sadden, saddening update on his cancer diagnosis. I mean, he, he beat the odds. I think he was, you know, only 18% of people with his type of cancer survive one year, and, and he's still here and, and hosting the show. So I think that's amazing. Um, the Judy and Punch trailer. We hosted an exclusive trailer for that one with Mia Wasikowska and Damon Harriman. It's this crazy puppet revenge comedy uh, from Mira Folks, who's an actress on The Crown. Um, you know, the reason that we did that exclusive trailer is because I think this movie looks good. I, I really want to see it. I want other people to see it. And hopefully we will all see it soon and have a wonderful discussion next month. McGruber. McGruber, we're hosting a 10-year anniversary screening. I can't believe it's been 10 years. Frosty did an amazing job putting that together. There's a Q&A with, like, Yorma Tacone and uh, uh, Will Forte. I don't know if Ryan Phillippe's there or not, but it's going to be an awesome night. I'm hoping that, that Steve will hook it up and get me in there. Um, yeah. Sounds fun. Like, I love that, that we're able to do these kinds of things at Collider. What else is, is cooking this week? Anything you guys want to know? I'm trying to think if I have a good, like, rumor of the week for you. Do I really want to go there? That's a question. That's a tough question. Fuck it. All right. All right. This is a rumor. It is not confirmed. I have not received 
an email back from this actor's publicist. No one has responded to inquiries. I also don't know if it's too early because George Miller has another movie that's shooting, which is that, you know, 3,000 years or whatever the hell it is with uh, Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba. But Mad Max... There is supposedly another one coming, right? People have been talking about this. That's out there. Who's going to star in it? Well, I understand it would be a prequel, right, about Furiosa. I think that that has sort of been alluded to. And everyone, you know, there was talk that Charlize was going to come back. But I don't know if she will or not. Like, let me, real quick, before I get to this, I, I, sorry, sorry for the buildup. So Charlize is 44. By the time that this movie realistically started shooting, she'd probably be 45 or 46. I think that they're planning a prequel without Charlize. I think that the actress will be closer to her to 25 or 30. I think that you'll also see a much younger Furiosa, who's like 12 years old, And I'm hearing about the male lead. I'm hearing that a certain Aquaman villain and a certain Watchmen star who also stars in Candyman is also being eyed or the male lead, or one of the male leads, in Mad Max Furiosa. Yahya Abdul-Mateen II? That is the rumor. If you are going to aggregate it, be careful. Again, no one's responded. I don't have a second source on this. It's all very early. Because Mad Max is early, because George Miller's shooting and casting an entire another movie beforehand. So this could be bullshit. I'm not saying it's true. The rumor's up to you. That'll do it for the Snyder Cut. Uh, thank you guys for watching. Make sure to follow me at, at the Inn Snyder on Twitter, Facebook, Cameo, all that good stuff. Guys, buy a Cameo. You're getting this podcast for free. Everybody else is just shelling out money. Give it to Christian. Give it to Rogo. Give it to Riley. Love all those guys. But would somebody buy a fucking Cameo for Christ's sakes? Mine are cheap. I think Rogue is charging three times as much. I'm a bargain. Plus, I'll hook you up with some inside info. I got a lot of shit. A lot of stuff brewing. Uh, Yeah, tell a friend about this wonderful podcast. Tell your mom. Tell your dad. Tell somebody. Because that's the only way it's going to spread is if you guys share it, just like the coronavirus. Oh, bring it back. Have a good weekend. Stay safe. Wash your hands. It's that little chico pit boom, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at negative to positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken and you know that's fire. Now, Babo, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy. Those biscuits, now that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there.
you know, on negative to positive, we always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. Did you know you could shop around for prescription prices? With GoodRx, you can find free coupons at over 70,000 pharmacies and save up to 80%. It's that easy. But don't just take my word for it. Dr. Adam says, I've been telling all my patients about GoodRx. Jacqueline says, my medication was $65 without insurance, but I paid $25. Aubriana says, you don't have to pay full price to live your best life. Couldn't have said it better myself. GoodRx is 100% free. Download the GoodRx app today and start saving. GoodRx is not insurance.